this is Kisa Shreen. Today on the show, we're featuring another interview from our Net Zero Conversation series. The series was recorded at the Net Zero Delivery Summit, hosted by the City of London Corporation in association with the COP26 UK Presidency 2022 and the Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero, also known as GFANS. As always, we love hearing from you, so reach out on social media or at our show inbox, fmt at lseg.com. Now over to Jane Goodland, Group Head of Sustainability at LSEG. Bryony, welcome and thank you for joining us on Net Zero Conversations. Thank you very much for having me. So you're a partner at DLA Piper. Can you tell us about your role and the firm? I'm a partner in the finance team and I focus on uh, sustainable finance and investments. I also uh, work with banks and funds and fintechs in terms of, you know, this whole conversation we've been having here about uh, mobilizing capital and making investments, financing real, real economy businesses. So, yeah, I'm a transactional partner focused in the sustainability space. What role does fintech have in transitioning to net zero? The fintech industry suffers, I think, or has suffered historically with, with challenges around ESG. It's amazing when we talk about fintech, how quickly the conversation can come to Bitcoin and energy usage, mm. which, you know, it's a very small area of the overall fintech space, of the overall even digital asset space. However, um, it's very public, there's a lot of public awareness around that challenge. So energy usage and energy efficiency it is certainly something that needs to be solved before fintech can start credibly solving other ESG challenges. Mm. Transition planning in that space as well is difficult. So we work with some of the global networks representing the financial, uh, the fintech industry. And we're having to work with them to establish their own science-based pathways. Mm-hmm. Those, that's one of the sectors where, you know, that's not currently in existence. Mm. Um, if you look at guidance set by, for example, SBTI, we have to create that and, and help them create that for themselves. But there's a lot of energy and a, and a lot of commitment to doing that mm-hmm. because this industry has great potential to actually deliver on some of the ESG challenges and, and net zero implementation challenges that sectors like the financial services industry are suffering. Mm-hmm. On things like data and disclosure challenges, I mean, the potential is really obvious. And, and the FCA you know, has run an ESG sandbox over the last year or so. Some really promising businesses in there mm-hmm. offering solutions for regulated financial services business on this data and disclosure issue. So that needs to be kind of brought right into the mainstream. I think other opportunities, so carbon markets, the ability for, for, for blockchain and tokenization to deliver on voluntary carbon markets, mm-hmm. that's kind of more commonly discussed. Also, perhaps on the demand side. So we've heard some of the speakers here at the summit talk about the problem with the demand side. How do you change consumer behavior in order to build up the demand for net zero aligned, both real economy product, um, you know, goods and, uh, but also services, net zero mm-hmm. aligned financial services. I think fintech's got a, a fantastic role to play on really educating 
people to enable them to understand, well, when I make this choice to spend this money or buy this item, you know, this is the, this is the carbon impact. Mm-hmm. By owning this item, this is the supply chain that I'm owning mm-hmm. in connection with this item. You know, we don't have visibility on that really at the moment. Mm. Not, not, not really. Also potentially to own your own energy and take on that responsibility and kind of also opportunity um, of owning your own energy consumption. So great opportunities around that demand side. And then finally, I'd also say that in the investment side, if you tokenize investments, what you can do is you can connect the outcome, so the real world outcome of the money that you put in, you can connect that really directly to the person who committed the pounds to make the investment in the first place. Mm -hmm. And it's very transparent. It's disintermediated. It's it's very auditable. It's enabling people potentially to own the purpose for which they committed the investment Mm -hmm. in the first place. It's it's kind of really, I guess, the next generation of impact investing in a way, but but a unitized basis, you know, to be really precise and really specific about really understanding capital in, impact out. Exactly in that impact sense. But a lot of the world that I work in is, you know, you're looking at investment for net zero purpose. Yeah. So it's not a, a kind of, a want, don't just want to make it sound like impact in emerging markets, living standards sense, which is mm-hmm. often when you say impact, yeah. that's kind of where people's minds go. Actually, net zero transition is an impact investment environment. Mm-hmm. You are trying to make a direct change, yes. a direct transition um, towards green in this world. So the same theory applies there too. Yeah. Absolutely. And we've spoken about the role of finance, but can we just touch on the role of blended finance? And and we've heard a bit about that over the last few days about that should be a focus area as we move towards COP27. Your thoughts on blended finance? So blended finance is all about scaling capital flows. They're clever structures. You know, it's using risk appetite aligned with the kind of money that may or may be available for projects and then splitting up the capital that's available to um, accommodate the different risk appetites of mm-hmm. investors. So a very long time ago, I was a securitization lawyer. I still do some securitization um, work. And a lot of the learnings from that sector on tranching of, of risk, of how you can create investment instruments at the top of a structure that enable investors with with those different risk appetites to all come together in the same structure, create a capital pool, and then onwardly invest that into underlying. Mm. I mean, in that case, it was loan pools. But I mean, here, in some cases, you are looking at the underlying investments being loans, you know, loans out into emerging market economies, for example, to enable businesses in those economies to borrow money to improve technology, to invest in agri-tech, to invest in solar, et cetera. So that, mm-hmm. you know, that, that is a part of this framework. And when we say blended finance, we're talking about bringing the DFIs, the kind of, the kind of quasi-public financial institutions alongside private finance, mm-hmm. using public money, perhaps grants, guarantees, et cetera, DFI money to de-risk those investment opportunities in order that the very you know big amounts of scaled private finance can come in and look at that opportunity and say well actually you know the return here if i take this senior piece is sufficient because the risk has been offset mm-hmm. by by what's been done on the blended 
end. Yeah. I think there's great opportunity around those structures. We're working with our clients to help them to develop scalable structures. You know, you've got to build app understanding, you've got mm -hmm. to educate the market, then you've got to, to build the appetite, the familiarity of this structure. So these aren't structures that are commonly used today, right? They are used. There are projects, blended finance, especially bringing in kind of guarantees mm -hmm. to try to offset some of the risk. That's been done. But what we haven't seen yet is this at the scale mm. that the kind of Glasgow uh, financial commitments, well, really need in mm -hmm. order to, you know, achieve those capital flows. So it, it's the scale of it that yeah. really hasn't yet been seen. And that's what we're working on trying to get the structures that can support that scale. Yeah, and it really strikes me that the legal profession and firms like yours have got a massive role to play in kind of really accelerating that type of practice. Yeah, absolutely. And bringing together as well these different stakeholders, mm -hmm. creating trusted structures that have been tested, you know, from the local law side, from the tax side, the regulatory side, you mm -hmm. know, understanding all of the different bits around the edge that you need to demonstrate have been tested in order to get these actors to the table and mm. put the money into this pool pot. Yeah. I think, you know, we have real strength and, and value in doing that. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. I think there's a really good opportunity for credible partnerships to really emerge right now. Yeah. So one final question, if I may, as we, as we look towards COP27, what would be the one thing that we really need to get right in order to make it a great success? I think this conversation on adaptation. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what I've been talking about is climate change mitigation. Even at the projected temperature rises that we will get to if we consider ourselves to have been successful mm -hmm. um, in terms of net zero goals, there is still so much that needs to be done around adaptation and mm -hmm. resilience. I think supporting, enabling, lifting up that piece of the conversation all of this investment structure piece that I've been talking about, impact and purpose, you can apply all of that in the adaptation and resilience mm -hmm. um, context as well. Insurers clearly have a huge role to play there too. So really enabling that conversation to come to the fore at the next COP, I think mm -hmm. that should be a main focus. And particularly in the case of some of the emerging economies who are on the sharp end of some of the climate changes that we're, we're already seeing. Exactly. And, you know, I was on a call the other week. We were talking to um, one of the island nations and they said, the thing is, we see there's a lot of um, enthusiasm around climate finance, but it's enthusiasm around climate that we need. And, mm -hmm. and, and so getting that balance in probably better than we have done so far, that's going to be really key. Great. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much. We invite you to subscribe to the Refinitive Sustainability Perspectives podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you stream your content. What did you think about the podcast? Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter for updates on our show. Thank you for joining and see you next time.